right. Thanks, Joel. Thanks, uh, Prosper family, for uh, inviting me to come back. Um, it's good to be back. I feel like it, it's, been, uh, it's been a while. A few big things have happened uh, in my life. My beard has gotten fuller, and I've turned 40. So, um, yeah. Thank you, Zeke. Um, <clears throat> but really, yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for the invite back. It's, um, it's always nice to, uh, nice to come and, and uh, spend some time with you folks, so thanks for that. Um, I've got uh, three questions I'd like to uh, have you think about as we begin tonight. Um, let me ask you all three questions before you answer, though, because uh, the questions or the answers uh, for all questions are the same. So if you blurt out with the first one, you may miss the second two and three. So just wait till I read them all, ask you all, and then you can you know tell me what you think. Um, question number one is this. Uh, why do little kids sometimes ask parents or grandparents to pick them up when they're at places like the zoo or uh, the ice cream shop? Why do little kids sometimes ask their parents or grandparents to pick them up when they're at places like the zoo or the ice cream shop? Question two, why do hunters sometimes set up ladder stands? And question number three, why do prospective property investors sometimes have an airplane or a helicopter fly them around the property for sale? Why do little kids sometimes ask moms and dads to pick them up when they're at places like the zoo or ice cream shops? Why do hunters sometimes set up ladder stands? And why do prospective uh, property investors sometimes have an airplane or helicopter fly them around the property for sale? Anybody want to take a stab at it? So they could see better. You nailed it. A couple of gold stars tonight. Way to go. That's right. Sometimes in life we need some help so that we can see better. Uh, little kids need someone to pick them up so they can see over what's blocking their view of the animals at the zoo or what's blocking them from seeing into the freezer of all those different ice cream flavors. Hunters need the uh, help of a ladder stand to get them up off the ground so they can get a better view of the woods. And uh, prospective property investors need the help of airplanes and helicopters so they can get a better view of the property they're interested in to see what's the other surrounding area um, doing, may pose a, a threat to their property. Uh, I've been that little kid. I've been that hunter. I've never had enough money, though, to be a property investor, um, but I get what they're doing. Um, I wonder uh, about you. Have you ever found yourself in need of some help so that you could see better? Uh, how about when it comes to life? Do you ever wish you had a better view of what's down the road or what's around the corner? Um, well, a better viewpoint of life is exactly what Jesus knew his original disciples needed. And so, as we're about to read, he took his disciples up on a mountain to give them a better viewpoint. And what they experienced there prepared them for life as followers of Christ. And because all of us could benefit from the very same thing, would you open your Bibles with me tonight to the Gospel of Matthew? We'll be in Matthew chapter 17. That's uh, page 1524, I believe, if you're using uh, the Pew Bible there. Matthew 17, page 1524. We'll be reading verses 1 to 13 this evening. 
Matthew 17, beginning in verse 1. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The disciples asked him, why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, to be sure Elijah comes and will restore all things, but I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Well, then the disciples understood that he was talking to them about John the Baptist. Okay, well, we're going to uh, get into a Uh, what exactly uh, happened here and why, but before we do, I want to remind us of one of Matthew's bigger themes. And I I want to do that because keeping the big picture in mind is going to help us um, as we look to understand smaller snapshots like what we have in front of us tonight. So if you spend uh, much time at all in the Gospel of Matthew, you probably know that um, there's a lot that Matthew, by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, Um, wants us to understand about Jesus um, and about how our response to Jesus will affect our lives. Um, And one of those things that Matthew wants us to understand is the pattern of life that comes with following Christ. And that pattern looks like this. Sometimes life with Jesus makes you feel like you're walking on water and you have more than enough to eat spiritually and physically. Other times, life with Jesus makes you feel like you're barely hanging on. And in Matthew's gospel, you can see this pattern laid out for us, especially over the last couple of chapters as Jesus' followers had been experiencing the high points of life with him. Um, we don't have time to go back and look, but you know the, you know the account, uh, walking on water, right, and enjoying the miraculous provisions of bread, enough to feed thousands with leftovers, But then, as recent as chapter 16, just the chapter before ours tonight, we see the lows of life with Jesus as he began talking to his disciples about the shadow of death that's coming his way and theirs if they're really going to follow him. And that pattern of ups and downs continue as we just heard about in today's chapter as Jesus and three of his disciples had this amazing mountaintop experience. And Matthew doesn't want that pattern to go unnoticed by us. He wants those uh, who would follow Jesus to know that this is what life with Jesus is going to look like. But 
Matthew also wants us to see that for those who are still willing to follow Jesus, even though this is what life will look like, he wants us to see that while the lows are very real, they're also very temporary when compared to our eternal reward. The low points are very real, but they're also very temporary when compared to our eternal reward. The flip side, though, is also true. Those not willing to deal with the kind of life that comes from following Jesus, the kind of stuff like dying to yourself, uh, living by faith, ordering the steps of your life according to his way, not yours, God's word means to tell you that whatever pleasure and comfort you may get from living how you want to, those are only temporary while the suffering you think you're avoiding by not following Jesus will actually stick with you for all of eternity. So that's the bigger picture we need to keep in mind as we head into tonight's passage, this smaller picture. And So with that said, let's talk about what's going on here in chapter 17. Um, what is the point? Well, the point's this. Jesus is God. So listen to him. That's it. Jesus is God. So listen to him. And as simple as that may be, we need to be reminded of that over and over again because it's not the only voice we hear telling us who or what to listen to as we try to navigate life. Sometimes that other voice is a gut feeling we think we have to go with or our hearts that we think won't do us wrong. But remember that Jesus taught us our hearts. That's the thing that's wrong with us, right? That's why Jesus came, because we can't change our hearts on our own. But how many times have you gone with your gut or listened to your heart instead of what Jesus has to say? Or even before you stopped to consider what Jesus has to say about whatever it is you're thinking about doing. Jesus knew as his disciples continued to understand the cost involved in following him, he knew they'd need this mountaintop experience, this reminder from God to listen to Jesus. And we need that reminder too as we continue to bump into both old struggles and new ones that come our way as we live as followers of Christ. Well, on top of uh, being drawn to go with our gut or our hearts, there are a couple of other voices out there that we're drawn to listening to instead of Jesus. And today's passage symbolizes those for us in the persons of Moses and Elijah. Um, And this appearance, by the way, of them here uh, on the mountain, it wasn't a dream. Uh, They weren't hallucinating. Um, They weren't ghosts here, even though they had been dead for a very long time. Um, And I don't want to spend too much time thinking about what we can learn from the fact that Moses and Elijah were actually physically there on the mountain with Jesus, James, uh, John, and Peter, other than to mention these two things. The first point that we can take from this is, is this one, that you will be you forever, and people will be able to recognize you. You will be you forever and people will be able to recognize you. That's another reason heaven's going to be so good and hell's going to be so bad. Um, If you're a Christian, you'll be a perfect version of you, still physically you, but a perfect 
version of you. No more struggling with sin. But if you're not a Christian, you'll continue to fall deeper and deeper into things like selfishness, pride, anger, bitterness, hatred, etc., etc., but you'll still be physically you. Well, second, and this one goes along with what uh, I just said there, but the physical appearances of Moses and Elijah here on the mountain with Jesus, Peter, James, and John, teaches us that when we die, we don't just cease existing, nor do we come back to earth as a bug or an animal or a, um, a tree or some other person, depending on how we lived this life. That doesn't happen. And that doesn't happen not because I said it didn't, but because Jesus said it doesn't happen. Uh, look in your Bibles, just a couple verses back up, chapter 16, verse 27, where we read this, The Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what they have done. There will come a day when Jesus returns and judges everybody. We don't cease to exist after we die, and we're not judged by turning by being turned into something else. We're judged by God for who we are and what we've done. And how God will reward you comes down to your response to who? Jesus, right? That's the point. How God will reward you comes down to your response to Jesus. When Jesus said, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. So are you listening to Jesus and basing the decisions of your life off of what he says? Or maybe you're listening to what Moses here represents, the law of God. And so all you hear is do this and don't do that. And you think that in doing or not doing certain things, the scales in the end are going to, they're going to tip in your favor. And there are a lot of people who listen to that voice. But the problem with listening to that voice is even though the commands of God given to God's people through Moses are good, they can't change your heart. Only Jesus can do that. That's why he came. Moses himself said to the people of Israel, quote, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. And as the writer of Hebrew puts it, Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than, you know who? Moses. He's been greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of the house has greater honor than the house itself, for every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. So Moses represents the voice of the law, or the voice that says, work harder, do more, be better. But up on this mountain where we can see things better, God says Moses played his part, and so did the law. And they did so by reminding us that we could, couldn't ever work hard enough or do enough or be better enough to earn God's favor. But Jesus could and did for those who listen to him and demonstrate that by trusting in him.
Um, but what about Elijah? We see him here in this account too, another great prophet, um, a spokesman from God to the people, a man used by God to take on evil rulers like Jezebel and King Ahab and all their hosts. Why did God want him to join this small group on the mountain this day? Well, I think one reason is to tell us that even a man like Elijah isn't able to do anything to stop the one who's behind the wickedness and corruption of people. We live in a world that thinks the answer to things like war, addiction, sex trafficking, poverty, all lies within our reach. But God's word to us today is some things are outside of our abilities and dealing with the evil one, the one who's behind war, addiction, sex trafficking, poverty, and all the rest, he can only be faced and defeated by Jesus. So listen to him. I think by this point, uh, by this point in the sermon, if you're still awake, uh, you understand the point that God's trying to get across to us. But Peter's response to visibly seeing Moses and Elijah next to the transfigured Jesus cautions us to make sure everybody gets what's going on here before we move on. And what was Peter's response? Look there, uh, again there in verse 4. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He wanted to get some shelters or tabernacles set up for these bigger-than-life figures. And whether he's thinking about setting up camp and just staying there on the mountain, because what could be better with being on the mountain with Jesus, Moses, and Elijah... Or if he's just showing honor to these three men, whatever he's up to here, one thing is clear, he's not quite seeing things clearly. He's seeing three people worthy of paying attention to, but there's really only one who's bigger than life here, right? And only one who deserves all attention. But in Peter's defense, this is all happening so quickly, right? I mean, what would you do? If you're up on the mountain there that day with Jesus and your buddy, and all of a sudden Moses and Elijah are there. So in Peter's defense, maybe he's thinking, sure, Jesus' face is shining, but so was Moses's when he came down from the mountain. Sure, Jesus' clothes became bright as light, but Elijah's must have looked like it when he hopped on board that flaming chariot of fire, right, that God sent to him to bring him to heaven. And then in the midst of his franticness, we're reminded again of how merciful and kind God is with us as he descends on that mountain in the cloud. And you know from your Bible reading that when God appears in the cloud, something big is happening. And the thing happening in front of these three disciples was the deity of Jesus Christ was being revealed to them. God was showing them his glory. Just like God showed Moses his glory on Mount Sinai and Elijah his glory on Mount Carmel, God was showing them his glory on this mountain. And that glory was being displayed to them where? In the person of Jesus Christ. Moses' face shone, but that's because he had been with God and he was just reflecting God's glory. 
Jesus' face shone because he has a glory all his own. And Jesus' disciples needed to see that to, prepare, that to prepare them for life as a follower of Jesus, they needed to see that, and Jesus knew that. But because seeing doesn't always lead to believing, seeing doesn't always lead to believing, God the Father broke in and cut Peter off in mid-sentence and said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Me and you think seeing the Son of God instead of having the Word of God would be better for us. I think that's pretty accurate. We think seeing the Son of God instead of having the Word of God would be better for us, that it would help us more in our lives with Jesus. This passage corrects that misunderstanding. Peter had the physical Son of God right there in front of him, but he needed more than that in order to help him understand what was going on. It wasn't until the word of God came to him that he saw things clearly. And if you want to see life clearly, you too need to understand who Jesus is from the word of God. Well, it's very fitting that Moses and Elijah, having done their part, disappeared, and the only one left with Peter, James, and John was who? Jesus. And that's the point. Jesus stands alone because Jesus is God. And Jesus can do for us what no one else and nothing else can do. So the question tonight is, are you listening to Jesus? Like, for instance, when Jesus says, as he does, you're not good enough to earn God's forgiveness and God's approval on your own. Do you respond by turning to him to do that for you? Because after all, as God the Father says, there's only one person who's good enough, and that person is who? Jesus. With him I am well pleased. Or do you listen to the voice of the law or the voice of morality that tells you if you work hard enough, you can earn God's favor? Do you listen to Jesus when he tells you you're not able on your own to stand up against the wicked plans of Satan? Do you respond then by depending on him to do that for you? Or do you listen to the voice of our culture that says if we just believe in ourselves, Just believe in humanity. This world, your world, will be a better place. When Jesus says, listen to him instead of your heart, do you trust him and listen, even though your heart's screaming to do otherwise? Friends, every once in a while, we need someone to pick us up so that we can see things better. God's invited us to go up the mountain with Peter, James, and John to do just that, to help us see life better, to show us that Jesus is the one we should listen to when we're wondering how to navigate the twists and turns of this world we find ourselves living in, to show us that Jesus is the one we should listen to when it comes to dealing with our sin and guilt, to show us how far off we are heading from in the right how far off we're heading 
in the right direction because we've been listening to all the wrong voices or because we're giving what Jesus says little or no listening time. If you don't spend time alone listening to God's word, if you don't spend time alone listening to God's word, you're keeping yourself from the very way God's chosen to prepare you for life as a follower of Jesus. Peter finally understood that this trip up the mountain was meant to prepare him to follow Jesus for the rest of his life. And though he had some pretty low moments along the way, like when he turned his back on Jesus, overall, this trip up the mountain prepared him for whatever twists and turns his life as a follower of Jesus would take. And when he looked back some 40-ish years later, it was what God told him that day that made all the difference. As he said in that passage, Joel read for us earlier in 2 Peter chapter 1, for we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the, the uh, coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. The way to prepare yourself for this life and the next is to listen to Jesus. So with that said, let me, let me put a, a bow on uh, this sermon tonight. Let me wrap things up with just a few words of application. And the first two are for those of you who are Christians. You can't see Christ or your life rightly without the Word of God. Peter couldn't, and neither can you. Jesus said if you want to follow him, you need to deny yourself. And spending time in his Word requires just that. So first application, do what needs to be done so you can spend time in God's Word. Second, Base your relationship with God on what Jesus says and nothing else. Base your relationship with God on what Jesus says and nothing else. That you can't do what he came to do for you, and that's to make you right with God. We listen too often to the voice that says our relationship with God is based on the things we do or don't do. But Jesus said he came because we'd never be able to do enough to earn God's approval. We can't, but Jesus can and did for those who listen to him and trust in what he did in his death, burial, and resurrection. And only when you do that, listen and trust, will you have a right relationship with God, and then your life will begin to show that. You don't want to stand before God on the day of judgment and point to what you've done. You want to stand before God on that day and point to what Jesus has done and say, I listened to him. And I trusted in what he said he came to do for me. Well, the last application is for those of you, if there's any here tonight who may not yet be Christians. And maybe the reason you're not yet a Christian is because you 
you think you, you know or you think you know that listening to Jesus will cause you to miss out on too much that this world has to offer. Well, here's what I want you to go home thinking about tonight. Jesus created you. And in that process, he created you to find your satisfaction in him. That's why Jesus said he's the living water that quenches all thirst. He is the bread of life that fills all hunger. So if you listen to all the other voices out there that say the cravings and satisfaction you have in this life can be met by having one more dollar, one more toy, one more partner, one more good deed even. If you listen to those voices, you'll never find satisfaction. So if that's you, will you listen to Jesus too and put your faith in him? We all need a strength in faith, so because we do, let's, uh, let's wrap things up tonight by praying and asking God that he would do that for us. Let's pray together. So, Lord, we are uh, grateful that you have given to us your word. It's alive. It's active. It's, uh, it's powerful. It's transforming. So thank you for it. Thank you for this uh, account that uh, your spirit had Matthew put together. We're thankful for um, being able to see this, uh, this picture of how we need to uh, be lifted up sometimes so that we can have a, a better uh, viewpoint on life. And so we're uh, thankful tonight to, um, to join Jesus and Peter and James and John up on that mountain, as it were, to have that uh, better viewpoint given to us that uh, shows us that in order to see life clearly, all the twists and turns that may come, that we need to listen to Jesus. So, Spirit, we uh, pray tonight that, um, that you would please take this uh, reminder and, and uh, press it into our hearts. All of us, I'm sure, are at different stages when it comes to our faith in you and how, uh, where we're at in, in following you. And so, Spirit, we pray that you would uh, put your finger on something in our life um, uh, that's distracting us from listening to Jesus. Um, maybe all we need is the reminder that listening to all other voices rather than Jesus is a, is a dangerous um, thing to do. And so we, uh, we thank you um, again for this, this uh, fresh word for us tonight. We're thankful that in listening to Jesus, we're told that all we need to do to benefit from Jesus and what he's come to earth to do is to put our trust in him. It's not to get our lives all cleaned up first. It's not to promise some, some sort of performance-based life, but it's simply to acknowledge that we cannot do it on our own, that we need you. And so tonight, we, just, uh, we pray that you would help us to Leave this place tonight resolved in our faith in Jesus, doing what we need to do to make sure we don't miss out on what he has to say to us. So thank you that you haven't been silent. Thank you that you've spoken to us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So would you uh, stand together uh, for the benediction and then we'll have our closing song.
Uh, tonight's benediction is from Romans chapter 10, 17, and because we all need more faith to listen to Jesus, take this promise from God with you as you leave tonight. Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Amen.